0: had done this they had, and under their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them and they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. So I want to point out right here because one man's obedience to push past what he knew, to push past what he thought he knew, let's put it that way, to push past what he thought he understood, And just be obedient to the voice of God. Of the miracle that just took place. Amen. Because one man said, yes sir. Yes sir. Because of this one man's obedience, it says two ships were filled with all these fish. Simon answers in verse 8. It says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knee saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Oh Lord, for he was astonished in all that were with him at the drought or the catch of the fishes that they had taken. So Simon, I could see him, just immediate conviction or condemnation began to fall on his heart and move in his life. It says, you almost didn't listen. This is the master. This is the king. Look at this miracle you almost missed out on because of your laziness or because you think you got it figured out. So he falls at Jesus' feet and says, forgive me, God. Forgive me for my lack of faith. Forgive me for not just following in blind obedience because you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Forgive me, God, for thinking. Forgive me for trying to have it all figured out. He says, I'm not worthy. I'm just a sinner. We go on to verse 9. It says, for he was astonished that all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. So, because of his obedience, they got to experience this great miracle in their lives. And not only just Simon, But the people around him, all because he was obedient to the voice of the Lord, all because he pushed past what he knew into the realm of the unknown, walking on faith. We go on a little bit further in this chapter. Brother, go to verse 16, if you don't mind, 5 and 16. We find another story. It says, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed, speaking of Jesus. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That makes me excited right there. I love it when I'm in his presence and I can feel that power there. I can feel that drawing that says a little bit further. Come on, why don't you give me a little bit more? Why don't you push past what you've normally been doing and experience the fullness of my glory, the fullness of power. Amen? The power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Jesus was teaching in this building that was filled to the brim. Everyone was on edge. They wanted to hear what this man was preaching about. They, just being in his presence felt different. Just hearing every word that came out of his mouth, came out with power, came out with anointing. There was something different there. Everyone wanted to be a part of it. It says these men brought their friend said he was sick with the palsy. Now this palsy is paralysis that's accompanied by tremors. So not only can this man not move, but when he does move, it's uncontrollable shaking and he can do nothing about it. But it says they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd. Now, so easily these men could have had the attitude or could have had the thought or just said, you know what, he's preaching a revival. He'll be back. You know, there's just too many people in the room. Sorry, Jim. I know you can't move and you got these terrible shakes, but I mean, look, I mean, how am I supposed to get you in there? We'll just come back another time. We'll just come back another day. We can sit out here, and we can hear his voice, and we can feel something. It feels good. Can you feel that? Man, those words he's speaking. Look at the lives he's changing in there. Today must not be our day, though. We're going to come back again. They could have easily said that. Could have had the attitude of, oh, well, maybe next time, right? But they don't do that. They don't do that. It says in 19, when they could not find By what way they might bring him in, because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop. Let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. But these men said, no. My buddy here didn't ask to be this way. When I come around you, I can feel your presence and I feel something different. I can hear your voice and the words you speak come out with such authority and such power. I've seen you heal this one. I've seen this man's blind eyes open. Heard a story about a young girl you weren't even in the room and you healed her. Just based off of a man coming to you and falling before you. I got to get my friend to you, Jesus. It doesn't matter what stands in my way. He needs a healing. It doesn't matter what we're going to come against. I'm going to get him before you. These men pushed past the norm. They pushed past um, the popular thing to do. They pushed past being polite and said, I've got to get to Jesus. It doesn't matter what's in the way. I've got to get to Jesus. It doesn't matter what the voices in my head are telling me. I've got to get to Jesus. Amen. These men weren't happy. With just man, it felt good. They weren't happy with just a promising message brought over the pulpit. They wanted to experience the power of God. They had to experience the power of God. If we go to Mark the fifth chapter, verse 24, we'll read another story. Now, this is pretty simple teaching. But it's been pressed on me. And so I just want to challenge y'all this morning. Mark twenty 5 and 24 it says, And Jesus went with him, much people followed him and thronged him. So here he is, again, surrounded. I mean, it's like the, like the most biggest rock star in the world just come to town. All of a sudden, everybody just wants to be around him. They all want to experience Jesus says in a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years had suffered many things and many physicians spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind him and touched his garment so you say what's so special about this woman this woman done tried it all she done tried everything the world told her to do. She went to the doctor one after the next, after the next, after the next. She spent everything she had, and not only did she times, and, you know, I'm not a regular doctor guy. I have no um, primary physician, as they call it. Mine is, hey, let me call, and how much do you cost, and do you have time for me right now? So here recently, I'd gone in and, and spoke to him. I was going through a few things. could just be I'm getting older, but I don't know, you know. So I go in to talk to one of these people. He's been trained. He's been taught, you know. He's spent who knows how much money for how many years of college to, to have all the answers. So I went and told him how I felt, and just I just didn't feel right. And, you know, I told him, Doc, just, you know, be honest with me. If I'm just getting old, tell me. And it's just something I gotta deal with, and I'll get over it somehow. He laughed. He said, No. No. Now this man knew me all of five minutes. He says, I got it figured out. You have depression. I said, no kidding. He said, Yep, that's why you can't sleep. That's why you don't feel good. I said, Well, I, you know, I am depressed. I agree with you. But it ain't got nothing to do with what's in here. It's got what to do with what I can't do anymore right here. Now you're depressed, and I'm going to put you on this medication. But, Doc, don't you understand? I used to be a heroin addict. I'm highly addicted to things. No worries. It's all legal. So instead of going to a drug dealer, this is a legal drug dealer. And in all his training and in all his knowledge and everything he knew, you're depressed. Absolutely. So he didn't answer my question. So I understand a little bit about what this woman's feeling at this point. She done went to not just one doctor who told her the wrong thing, but every doctor who told her the wrong thing. She's a hopeless, lost cause. The enemy... Has her believing this is it. It's all over. It's just a matter of time, young lady. But she hears about a man. He's coming to town. She's heard the stories of this man and that man and this woman and that woman and all the lives. He's changed. She just heard a recent story of a man who was another lost cause that they cast out into the tombs. A man that was full of so much evil, they called him Legion. Jesus heals him on the spot. So she says, If he can do that for him, what's to stop him from doing it for me? So as she makes her way, the voices fill her head You're wasting your time. You've been here. You've seen this man and that man. What's going to make this one any different? You've done this before. You've been here before. You're wasting your energy. You're wasting your strength. And he doesn't want to see you. Oh, and by the way, your problem is against the law for you to even be here. So she has to push past all of that. Pushes past what she hears. Pushes past what she feels. Pushes past the law and what she knows and says, It doesn't matter anymore. I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to get into his presence. If it's everything it takes for me to do it, I've got to do it. So she pressed. It says she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Here's her attitude. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. If I can just get there, he's going to make everything all right. It says, in straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague in an instance. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Everybody's touching him at this point, bumping into him, pressing him this way and that. So his disciples say, You see the the multitude, you see all these people around you, what are you talking about? Who touched me? So as he looked around about to see her that had done the same. The woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that what she did was against the law, knowing that easily she could be stoned and be killed just for being there, came, fell down, trembling, fell down before him, told him all the truth. Jesus answered, He said, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. You see, everybody was touching him that day. Everybody was pressing against him. Everybody was hearing his voice and hearing the teaching. Everybody was feeling the presence of God. Everybody could feel the power and the anointing and the authority coming out of his voice, hanging on every word. But this woman had something different. This woman was willing to press past it all. And truly touch Him. We come into His presence how many times? Over and over and over again. Pressing. He's in the press. We're all praising. We're all, you know, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you. You feel so good. Things are happening. But He's looking for the ones who truly want the miracle. The ones who are willing to push past it all. The ones who are willing to push past the norm and say, whatever I've got to do today, I'm going to do it. Because I've got to touch him. Amen? Throughout the Bible, in all of the miracles that took place, there's a certain point where the individual who was to receive the blessing has to push a little bit further. Or have a little more sacrifice to receive the whole miracle. Amen? Mark chapter 8, verse 22. It says, And he cometh to Bethsaida. I love this story. This is one of my favorite miracles. They bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. They begged him. He took the blind man by the hand led him out of town. When he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. He looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Now the miracle could have ended right there. And it still would have been incredible. Because this man's never seen anything. He's blind. We don't know what happened. Or when it happened. We just know he's blind. Jesus leads him out, touches him, performs a miracle, and first thing he asks him, if he saw anything. So the man could have had a lack of faith. Lord, I felt your power, and I felt your touch, and that was so good. Thank you so much. Have a good day. The man says, yeah, I see men as trees walking, and I could see the Lord look at this man and say, okay, so this man accepts that I can heal him. This man accepts and he knows that I could perform this miracle. But this man's not satisfied with just this little bit right here. He sees men as trees walking, yes. He could have jumped up and said, thank you, mighty God, for what you've given to me. I know it ain't perfect, but I'm so humbled and so thankful for just this little bit. But he wanted more. He was willing to push more, to go further. It says, after that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. So because this man wasn't just satisfied with just, that felt good. Or wasn't just satisfied with, oh, thank you for lifting that weight off my shoulder. I wasn't just satisfied with the condemnation being quieted down for about three hours. He wasn't satisfied with that. He said, no, you're the one that can heal me. You're my only hope that can heal me and fix me. Lord, I need it. I don't need just a crumb or just a piece or just a, that felt good. Lord, I want to bounce to my feet and say, look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. People willing to push past the known into the unknown. How many of us, how many of us after feeling that first immediate touch have just simply gotten up and rejoiced because, Lord, I'm so thankful you allowed me, the sinner that I am, to feel your presence. and It was incredible. We gone about our lives still battling same old problems, shortcomings. When the truth is we've never let Jesus complete the restoration he wants to do at the first. Amen? It does feel good. It feels bad when you walk in as a sinner, but it does feel good when you you've been that bummer lamb and Like we talked about earlier, we come in our heads down and just beat up, but yet we still feel His love and His mercy embrace us once again. Say, I'm glad you're home. Come let me love you. Let me clean you up. Let me fix you. And it feels so good to have His presence just flow over you and you just feel that forgiveness and that weight lift. Amen. It feels so good to know that He didn't just shun you, and just say, you're such a wreck and you're such a mess. Why don't you just stay over there and time out for a little while? That sometimes we just get caught up in that and go, oh, that felt good. Maybe we're going to go eat lost hormones or soul man's, Because I feel good now, right? When Jesus is wanting us to push past that, say, yeah, not only do I want to love you, And do I want to embrace you and cleanse you up and wipe away all that mess and lift you back up and give you strength again and make you you feel good once again. But I want to restore you. I want to make it to where that issue and that problem that brought you down that had you coming into my house like that bummer lamb never crosses you again. Amen? And all it takes is us pushing past, us not falling short of the miracle, not just accepting the crimes that said, thank you for letting me feel good again. But says, God, that was amazing. But what I feel, I know there's something more. And I just want to go further. I just want to go deeper, God, until when this is all done. I don't just come walking out ready to eat, but I come shouting out, ready to tell the whole world what he's done in my life. Hallelujah. Because I didn't fall short of that miracle, but I pressed on. Amen. Mark 6, starting with verse 1. And he went out from thence and came into his own country. He's in Nazareth, he's home. His disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished. See there? Wow! This is incredible. They were astonished, saying, "From hence hath this man these things." What wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought in his hands, so there's wow you know people come in, they've never experienced God the way we do on a regular basis. Hey man, I've been to church when I was backslider I went to church with my brother once he I won't say the denomination probably figured it out I went in I you know I'm sure I wasn't there for the right reason I was there just to be nice, but I showed up. And looking at the platform, over here they had this wooden plaque thing on the wall. And it had page numbers on it. It was like four or five of them. And then they had a piano. That was it. This man gets up there and whips his songbook out and says, everyone turn to this page. So we all did. Nobody stood. And then he just commenced to singing line for line, word for word. Every one of these songs. Some of them hymnal songs, y'all got five verses in them. Every word, every line. Wasn't an amen in the building. Wasn't a hand clap. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, what in the world is this? So some people's version or idea of church is that. It's just a place we go to hang out and, you know, he's going to save me one day. We're all good. I'm going to go to heaven. So I'm going to go to this building because I promised to go to this building. I don't know why I'm there and make sure that sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so know that I'm there so I can get on that roll called up yonder, and everything's going to be okay. But then you got people that come in that that's all they know. That's what church was. That's what church is. And they finally get to come in and feel the presence and power of God and immediately their lives are beginning to shake, and they're just standing there going, wow, what is this? I may not understand why Brother Steve is running them miles, but all I know is what I'm feeling right now I've never felt before a day in my life. Amen? The man of God gets up and preaches the word that's been laid on his heart with anointing and with power. God begins to work on them on the back pew or on the back wall or wherever they are in their heart just begins to be massaged, and they're just, all of a sudden tears are going down their face, and they feel okay about it. I don't have to be tough, because what I'm feeling I've never experienced. I don't even understand, but oh, I've longed for this my entire life and never knew it. And here they are, come into his presence. Might even find the strength to get up from the pew and make their way to the front. Saying, God, you there's more. I feel it in my heart. I heard your man of God preach and teach on it. I want the full story. And begin to pray. And God begin to move over and over and over on them. So for the first time, it's like nothing they've ever felt before. It's so easy from that moment to turn around and leave. But God has something bigger and something more than just a good feeling more than just something you've never experienced before and that massaging in your heart and in your chest and that drawing and that love that brings you back. He says, no, I want to take that. I want you to experience that too. But all those problems and all those issues that life in this world and everybody else has told you you're just going to have to get over or you're just going to have to deal with, he wants to fix it. Hey, Amen? He wants complete restoration. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they're astonished. They're amazed. But it takes a weird turn. Verse 3. Is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary? The brother of James and Joses and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended. At him, So all of a sudden, the amazement turns. They begin to try to look at it through their human eyes. Says, We know this man. We know his mom. We know his dad. He's nobody. What is this? Verse 4 says, But Jesus said unto them, A prophet's not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house, and he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Folks, I don't ever want to just get so used to God and used to him. That it turns into this. Oh, I've had that before. That does feel good. Amen? And it just becomes second nature. It just becomes where I just get used to it. And I don't have him lifted up where he should be anymore. Amen? I don't have him magnified and above it all where he should be. But I have him down. I have him in a box of what I know. And what I've got figured out of who he is and who he can be. And I limit what he can do in my life. Amen? You know, little man, growing up, he might have been the only one. He was really into a pacifier. Is that right? The girls didn't seem to care about it much, but he loved his pacifier. I began to think about what this a pacifier in a bottle you know what a pacifier is it pacifies the bottle it says you ain't gonna have the real thing so here's something that'll suit your needs for the moment amen many times we get used to just having the pacifier we come to church and we just do what's necessary to pacify things we come in and all this I'm just got to do this just To get to the point where I feel okay once again about, you know, my life and everything that's going on. I feel like, you know, I'm walking walking like a bummer lamb, but I'm going to walk out. Jesus going to give me a high five. Mm. Now I feel good again. Woo! That's that pacifier. When the Lord wants you to have the milk, he doesn't want you to just be satisfied with just. He wants you to experience the real thing. He wants you to have the full deal. Many times we come and we just satisfy ourselves with just that pacifier that says, all I need to do is I'm going to go hit the prayer room, got about 10 minutes, going to pray, going to start it off the same, going to end it the same, going to try not to use big words, just try to keep it simple. Hallelujah. We're going to come in. Sister Beckham's going to get up on the piano, pray. Brother John's probably going to say something like, let's all stand. Let's get excited to have some church this morning. Then we're going to sing four songs. Brother so-and-so might come up in between and say something. We're going to have the prayer thing. And then we're going to invite the preacher up. He's going to preach. And man, it's going to bring the walls down. And then we're going to have altar. Then God's going to move. Why don't we get out of that? And say, number one, it's his house. I'm sick of the pacifier. I'm sick of just being satisfied with just a little touch. Or just being satisfied with, whoo, that felt good for a moment. I want the bottle. I want the milk. I want all of it. I want to be open to him and what he wants to do. Amen. I want to praise him further than I ever have. Because there's more waiting on the other side of that praise. It says he inhabits the praises of his people. How much Jesus do you want this morning? Is that all? Is that what you're used to doing? Or maybe, that's as far as I'm going to take it. Or maybe like Brother Stephen, you're going to get fed up and say, I don't care if anybody's standing up. Yes! Because it's all about him. It's all about magnifying Him. It's all about praising Him, lifting Him up, allowing Him to have His way in my life, regardless of what time it is, regardless of how long it takes, regardless of how I feel. I want to push past the norm this morning and step into the unknown where the miracles are happening. Amen? Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Let's all stand. I, this morning, don't want to fall short of a miracle. He's calling. Yes, we can have a great church this morning and all leave just like we are. But who wants to do that? When he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords and all he's saying is, Let me have my way in you. You think you know what's wrong, but you don't have a clue. You think you know how to fix it, but you don't have a clue. Let me do it. So how bad do you want it this morning? Maybe you've sat back and wondered, man, we used to have these services. where The preacher wouldn't even have to preach. Just from the first song to the last, God moved all over this place. Tears were shedded, people were shouting, blind eyes were open, people were passed out in the floor, drunk in the Holy Ghost. I long for it. Anybody, anybody coming, saying that, or saying I've heard stories about where the Shekinah glory's fallen in a building and it was so thick, everybody could see it and no one could deny the power of the Lord. Amen. how bad do you want it? Because he's got it. And he wants all of us to experience the fullness of his glory this morning. So I say this, if he inhabits the praises of his people, this morning I will give him everything that I've got in praise and worship, regardless of my neighbor on my left or my neighbor on my right or whoever might have come. I will bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give it to him. Let's press past this morning. And let's experience the fullness of his glory. Hallelujah.